Population dynamics and animal suffering. Most animals who ever live die shortly after they come into existence, often in painful or frightening ways. This happens because the predominant reproductive strategies result in most animals dying in infancy. Population dynamics is the way in which, or the study of how and why, populations of living beings change over time, considering the factors that influence their growth and shifting composition. Understanding the interplay among these factors gives us a better picture of the total amount of suffering and well-being in different wild animal populations, and allows us to effectively strategize the courses of action required to assist them. Death and reproduction are two important factors in the study of population dynamics. They determine the growth, decline or maintenance of any given wild animal population and can significantly affect the well-being experienced by individual members of those populations. Population dynamics together with life history theory can help us find out how many animals die on average relative to how many survive at different life stages. Combining this information with the knowledge of how painful or frightening the types of deaths are can give us insight into the average quality of life of different wild animals. Reproductive strategies and animal death. To assess how widespread animal suffering is in the wild, we can start by considering how populations vary depending on different factors. One factor is when individuals migrate from nearby regions to join a population thereby increasing its overall size and energy requirements, while the populations these individuals migrated from are reduced in size. However, population size is most influenced by the factors mentioned above, birth and death. For a population to be stable through time, the number of births must be matched by the number of deaths. Because there are limited resources like food and shelter, on average only one offspring per parent can survive to adulthood. This means that animals who have few offspring tend to have relatively low infant mortality and animals who have large numbers of offspring typically have higher rates of infant mortality. In a stable population, most of the population at any one time is very young animals who were just born and are just about to die. This does not mean that the population is in decline. Populations decline or grow over time due to changes to limiting factors in their environment such as the availability of food or the presence of predators. A population might have a period of growth when some of these limitations change. For example, if a population of predators goes extinct, then individuals they would usually prey upon will have higher chances of survival. More than one offspring per parent can survive. This will lead to their population steadily increasing until they encounter another limitation that restricts their growth, such as availability of food. Even though fewer animals may die during periods of growth, future generations will bear more deaths when their growth is limited again, because there will now be both a larger number of adults and an increase in infant mortality rates. Only one offspring per parent can survive again due to the resource limitations. Some animals reproduce by having very few descendants and taking care of them. They may give birth to just one animal or lay just one egg each time they reproduce. They avoid high rates of mortality by investing more energy into traits that improve their odds of passing on their genes. Such traits might include parental care to protect and prepare infants for the risks that they are likely to face, a longer lifespan that allows them to reproduce more than once, and greater mental faculties 
that increase their chances of overcoming the challenges they encounter. Unfortunately, there are very few species of animals who follow this reproductive strategy. Some mammals, such as great apes, cetaceans, which include whales, dolphins, seals and porpoises, bears, elephants and other herbivores, and some birds such as albatrosses have this kind of reproductive strategy. However, the overwhelming majority of animals follow a different strategy, reproducing frequently and in large numbers. There is a high cost to this strategy. Animals reproducing this way may not have many survival-enhancing traits that require a high energy investment if the trade-off is too high. For example, a trait that reduces the chances of reproducing may not be selected for, even if it provides some survival advantage. This is because the reproductive strategy maximizes reproduction, not the average survival of individuals. Because they reproduce in such high numbers and must make these trade-offs, most of these animals will have very short lives with little chance of escaping being eaten alive, starving to death, or other harms encountered by wild animals. Because they are likely sentient, they may mostly suffer during their short lives. Examples of animals that exhibit this reproductive strategy include amphibians and reptiles, whose clutch sizes range in the tens, hundreds, and in the case of the common cane toad, exceeding 25,000. Certain species of fish like the Atlantic salmon might produce close to 20,000 eggs per clutch, while other common species of salmon, cod and tuna reproduce in the millions. Laying large numbers of eggs is also common among invertebrates. For instance, among crustaceans, crayfish can produce hundreds of eggs per brood, and among mollusks, octopuses can reproduce in the hundreds of thousands. Land-based invertebrates, including many anthropods, can lay hundreds, thousands, and in some case millions of eggs at a time. Consequences for animal suffering. The predominance of reproductive strategies that result in large numbers of offspring has important consequences for the suffering of animals. There are strong reasons to believe that animals living in the wild experience much more suffering than positive well-being over the course of their short lives. Although some animals might experience little pain due to a quick death, many others suffer terribly from a prolonged death and die when they are still very young. This means that they may not have the opportunity to have any significant positive experiences in their lives. In fact, they may have just a few experiences in addition to the terrible experience of dying. Because their deaths are natural and a part of their life history, it might not seem like a moral issue. But if we think that we should help humans and domesticated animals when they are being harmed, it seems unreasonable to treat animals living in the wild differently just because of where they live. A lot of evidence shows that the way they experience harm is not so different from the way humans experience harm and that it is equally morally relevant. As explained in the section, can animals in the wild be harmed in the same ways as domesticated animals and humans? In addition, the fact that many animals start their lives very small and underdeveloped does not mean that they are not sentient. For example, it has been shown that adult zebrafish respond to harmful stimuli in a way that indicates sentience, and that larval zebrafish respond in similar ways to adults. We know that most animals who ever live will die shortly after coming into existence, because for most animals, there isn't room or resources for most of their offspring to survive. Consequently, we can conclude that in nature, negative states like pain and distress 
prevail over positive states like happiness and interest satiation. This doesn't mean that the few animals who live to adulthood are automatically happy and don't need assistance. In many cases, these individuals will have lives that consist of prolonged suffering due to factors like disease, malnutrition and thirst, weather conditions, parasitism and predation, injuries and psychological stress. Thus, even if an animal survives past their infancy, their life might still consist of more suffering than enjoyment. But even if adult animals did have good lives, a population's experiences of suffering would still outweigh the positive experiences because of the disproportionate number of offspring who don't survive and who have horrible lives. All animal populations face significant suffering and death. Animals who belong to species with high survival rates in infancy still often die before reaching maturity. Even if they give birth to only one offspring per reproductive season, the frequency of their reproduction means they can have many offspring over the course of their lifetime. Regardless of their reproductive habits, for a population to remain stable, an average of only one offspring per parent will survive to pass on their genes through reproduction. It is often said that only old and sick animals die in the wild, while young and healthy animals have happy lives. This is considered positive because the death of old and sick animals relieves them of the pain and distress they would otherwise experience from disease or other age-related harms. However, evidence suggests this is not the case. Listed below are some examples that show young animals who survive infancy are more likely to die than older ones. In the Central Superior National Forest in Minnesota, 209 white-tailed deers were observed from 1973 through the winter of 1983 to 1984. Over one third of the deers died during this time, and for both males and females, the deers in this study, who were most likely to die were the youngest deers, those under one year old. Another study analyzed 439 Isle Royale moose deaths between 1950 and 1969. Calf deaths accounted for 45% of total deaths. There is documented research of the huge number of deaths that occur during the winter when the population density of a group of soyuk sheep in Scotland rises above 2.2 per hectare. More than 90% of lambs and 70% of yearlings die under these conditions compared with 50% of adults. This has also been noticed with birds. One study found that the death rate of yellow-eyed juncos is highest in their first year. Of course, these studies only provide data for a handful of cases about infant versus adult mortality in wild animal populations. Our analysis of the problem of wild animal suffering is based on the inevitable number of premature deaths due to predominant reproductive strategies and the likelihood of the deaths being painful or frightening, with case studies being useful to exemplify this problem.